we've gone through, you know, other types of infectious processes, but, you know, to have so many children, um, particularly concentrated at the very young, um, to become so acutely ill at almost, you know, almost the same time. And I've been practicing for decades. It's been unprecedented. Hello, and welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm Sandra Lindsay. Today, we speak with Dr. Josh Rocker and Dr. Margaret Duffy about the unprecedented surge of RSV cases hidden hospitals across the U.S., as well as other winter viruses. Dr. Josh Rocker is Division Chief, Pediatric Emergency Medicine at Cohen Children's Medical Center. And Dr. Duffy serves as the Chief Nursing Officer at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Doctors Rocker and Duffy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us today. In normal years, RSV sends thousands of children to the hospital over fall and winter. But for a second year in a row, cases have spiked early and lead into surges of the common respiratory virus across the U.S. So Peg, typically RSV peaks in January and February. Why are we seeing this increase in the number of cases and hospitalizations now? Sandra, that's a great question. And uh, we're not 100% sure what, um, what is causing this sudden surge in RSV, but most likely it is due to what happened during COVID. So as everyone recalls during COVID, we, we all went into lockdown, schools were closed, um, children were really pretty much sequestered at home. So many of those younger children, school-aged children um, have had the past two years where they really have not had the exposure that children normally do during childhood. To, to, to have the chance to get these viruses and to develop the immunity. So as we've emerged from the COVID pandemic and now we're in an endemic phase, um, masks are coming off. We're just so happy to have our socialization again, going to see our loved ones, our family, taking trips. Um, many of the transportation hubs are not requiring masks. So basically with masks off, we are seeing uh, just a resurgence in it. Um, the other interesting feature to it is that we seem to have lost some seasonality. We were seeing respiratory illnesses in July that we would normally see around the holidays. We believe that that's what's what's causing this, along with that flu. So we, um, we're we going to make, uh, on behalf of Dr. Rock and myself, a shameless plug for that flu vaccine. So flu is very much, um, you know, we, we see in other areas of the world a conversion from moving out of RSV, RSV to flu, and we are seeing our, share, our fair share of flu illnesses as well. So get get your flu vaccine. I'm also going to make a shameless plug for the COVID vaccine and the COVID boosters as well, Peg. Uh, so thank you for that. So Dr. Rocker, can you explain what our listeners should know about RSV? So RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. Uh, it is a virus we commonly see uh, every fall, winter, uh, for children above the age of two, it generally causes uh, a cold. Adults get it as well, and it cold, uh, causes a cold, congestion, runny nose, plus or minus fever. But in children under the age of two, and more specifically under the age of one, they get something called bronchiolitis. And bronchiolitis is different than bronchitis, 
bronchitis is when you get mucus in the bronchi and that's when you're coughing up you know loogies you know and green mucus um, but bronchiolitis is lower down it's in the lungs and so what these children uh, get is they get fever oftentimes cough, congestion, but then they get the wheezing. They have difficulty breathing as well. Not everyone, um, but it is frequent. So bronchiolitis is different than just a regular upper respiratory tract infection. It's something that involves the lower respiratory tract as well. Um, and these kids can get sick. So it's very important for people to realize because there's a lot of uh, you know, messaging in the news about RSV and then the hospitals. This is a completely different entity than COVID. RSV is extremely common. Yes, it is making kids sick, but it is not, it, RSV does not carry with it the same mortality or anything close um, to, uh, to COVID. So those symptoms must be very scary for children and um, their parents. 100%. When someone is breathing hard, Yes, that's very nerve-wracking uh, to watch. And it's challenging for the kids. And the way I describe it is, it looks like you're running a race, but you're not running a race. So you're pulling, you know, your lungs are, are saying, I need help getting air in. And the usual muscles that work to get the air in, it's usually just the diaphragm up and down. But that work isn't sufficient because there's inflammation inside the lungs. And so you have to recruit other muscles to help. And so if you're doing that, but there's no reason for you to be exerting yourself, then that's because the lungs um, are having difficulty or are a little bit too inflamed. How is RSV transmitted? So I think we learned a lot during COVID. I think we all became you know, virologists and epidemiologists and learned how things uh, got transmitted. We talk about airborne and you know, tuberculosis, you know, measles is airborne and that's just in the air and it floats in the air. That is not RSV. Um, there's respiratory droplets, which kind of land on the ground and then there's contact, contact transfer. And RSV is mostly contact transfer, but a little bit of respiratory droplet as well. But it's basically, it's on the countertop, it's on a toy, it's on something, it's on the doorknob. And, you know, children, the way they interact with the world, they love to touch things. They love to touch things and they love to put things in their mouth. And so if you're in daycare or if your older sibling, you know, uh, is in daycare and uh, gets RSV, you know, and then comes home and is sneezing and touching things, that's how the child is going to get it as well. Sandra, that's a really good message to the folks who are listening today in terms of minimizing the potential for spread for our RSV and the respiratory viruses. Um, you know, hygiene practices are so important. We do a lot of education with parents and caregivers around hand hygiene. Um, simple washing, what we all learned in kindergarten, washing your hands is so important. So making sure when your children come home from school or they come home from the playground or when they're out with uh, their friends, making sure that they are washing their hands, uh, not touching their face and minimizing that. And if that happens, then doing the simple hand hygiene. Uh, we all get concerned here at the hospital as we go into holiday season. We're looking forward to spending our time with our friends and family. You know, we there's so much burnout from COVID that you really want to have those warm family gatherings as we look forward to Thanksgiving and then the December holidays. Uh, but 
we really encourage families, particularly those with the very young infants under two months of age, to really think about who who's being exposed. So the very young and the very old, the opposite ends of the spectrum are those individuals at risk. So as much as we want to be together, I think uh, the message is to try to be smart and to protect particularly those those young, young infants. It also sounds like it would be beneficial to just have a routine of wiping down our surfaces as well. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. And, and one thing about the hand hygiene that we talk about, we say washing hands, but the most important, because uh, I think a lot of times people put the soap in the palm of their hand, rub their palms together and then wash it off. But it's the fingers that come to our noses, come to our mouth, come to our eyes. So it's actually washing the fingers that are the most important part of the hands. What are some supportive um, kind of therapies that you're using? Right. And that's a term that's used a lot. We don't have any treatments, but we, we can give you supportive care. And I just want to clarify what that means. So treatments stop the virus, kill the virus. We don't have that. But supportive care is if your oxygen is low, I'll give you oxygen. If you're dehydrated, I'll give you fluids. If your lungs are working so hard, I could put you on machines that make breathing easier for you. So we support you and your body until the virus goes away and you recover. So if there's really poor feeding, difficulty uh, breathing, we definitely wanna see those children. But if it's fever and otherwise they seem to be doing well, that's certainly something that you know we could follow up with your pediatrician, but there's not necessarily the urgency to come to the emergency department, unless you're you know below a certain age. If you're below two months and you have a fever, we do want to see you in the emergency department. So how do you make the diagnosis? So the diagnosis of RSV, specifically RSV, is a respiratory viral uh, swab that we do, and then it will tell us if it's RSV. However, I don't want the audience to think that RSV is the only virus that causes bronchiolitis. Bronchiolitis can be caused by a bunch of other viruses, but right now, the large majority of the children that we're seeing with bronchiolitis are in fact RSV. Awesome. So who is most at risk for severe RSV? Uh, so that's a, a great question. Those who are most at risk, as we mentioned, were those under the age of one, specifically even younger, um, and then premature babies as well are at higher risk. Um, we are seeing some older kids um, who may have complex medical conditions uh, who uh, are a little bit more fragile when they get RSV. It may be more challenging for them, but it's really the younger kids uh, that we're most concerned about. As an adult, should I be concerned about RSV? Um, generally, no. Um, but as an adult who has children or has children who has children, that's something that you should be a little bit thoughtful of. And I mean, I just want to stress one thing. You know, we're busy. Um, we have never seen higher numbers in our emergency department ever. And I'm saying, you know, by 50% more than, than extremely busy times. Um, so in regards to the public health message to the adult, it's be thoughtful about the children because we're in a crisis right now. So when did we really start to see RSV hit this year? 
Um, I would say probably four weeks ago was trickling in, and then three weeks it really started taking off. December is kind of when traditionally flu uh, comes in a little bit more with a vengeance. Um, we're expecting even higher numbers then. So RSV uh, tends to be a little bit of a of a hump, not a big spike. So we anticipate RSV to still be around um, well into December and you know and parts of January, and we know it's going to be overlapping with uh, flu at that point as well. So, Doctor Rocker. Do you think the high number of infections you're seeing will be a one-time event or a new normal? Is the pattern of the virus changing? We're not certain. We know, as Peg mentioned, uh, last year was different than this year. This year is a little bit closer to normal, but definitely abnormal. And I think we suspect that it will trend back to the old ways um, just because the logic with COVID is that we weren't socializing, and now we are socializing. COVID didn't change viruses. Um, so I suspect, strongly suspect, um, that next year, um, barring any other you know, social bizarre phenomenon, that uh, we'll probably be back on, on par. Peg and, and Dr. Rocker, have you seen anything like this in your practice before? No, not at all. You know, we've we've gone through H1N1. Um, we've gone through, you know, other types of infectious processes. But, you know, to have so many children, um, particularly concentrated at the very young, um, to become so acutely ill at almost, you know, almost the same time. And, you know, sometimes we describe it as a tsunami and it comes in waves. You know, we, we might have maybe 12 hours where the volume is a little bit less, which which actually we say, you know, we, we take a breath and we say, well, that you know, 12 hour volume's not so bad. That would have been a busy day two years ago, right? So um, so everything is relative. But uh, to be honest, no, this is something that's been unprecedented. And I've been practicing for decades. It's been unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we set up uh, flu pods uh, in the 2018-2019 uh, flu season. Uh, and flu, that was really much more an outpatient, um, you know, uh, burden where we had so many patients coming in who are concerned and you know they generally were fine and the same with h1n1 uh the atrium of the children's hospital basically became you know a uh, testing center and an urgy center um but it didn't impact the um the admissions nearly as much as this is right now you know to, to peg's point i have never seen us borrow space from the adult side uh, and we desperately needed it when we when we received it. Um, so it, it's a different entity than we've seen in the past. Can you talk to us a little bit about your strategies to manage the volume? So last year we did quite a bit of planning, uh, predicting almost what you can't predict. But seeing that we had lost some seasonality as a leadership team, we came together and said, "How can we, if this comes and in, in a wave that uh, that may be unexpected, how can we be ready for it?" Uh, so we had hired up. 
Uh, we looked at all of our alternative spaces. We looked at our surge plans and said, how can we become more flexible and nimble? Um, so what we've ended up doing is having a lot of satellite spaces. Uh, we borrowed a unit from our Long Island Jewish friends. They've been very gracious. Um, we repurposed areas here within Cohen's for the emergency department. We've had to staff up. We've been doing this for months now so that we are positioning ourselves to, ourselves to provide that that quality care that we that we are known for and uh, but it's been challenging it's been very challenging and as we see the acuity the uh, the severity of illness go up it it is a it is a challenging concern dr rocker what role does covid and influenza play in this rsv search um so covid hasn't left us it is a smoldering, you know, uh, virus that is there, you know, and we still have patients who are admitted uh, with COVID. Uh, it is certainly not overwhelming our numbers, but it's a presence. And influenza currently is on the rise. We're definitely seeing it in some patients. Um, I expect it to be a much more significant thing um, in the weeks to come. Dr. Rocker, what can parents do to keep their children out of the hospital to prevent their kids from getting RSV? So with kids going to school, it's hard to prevent RSV, uh, you know, transmitting in the community. Um, And, uh, you know, we're happy that kids are in school. We're happy that kids are without masks and we're happy that they're developing normally in, in an appropriate environment. Um, and it's not just kids, it's specifically the young kids, right? The ones that are being hospitalized are the ones that are, you know, the newborns, the, uh, you know, under one year of age. So be more cautious with those kids. And, you know, for those, uh, siblings, you know, in a household who have a child who is, you know, less than one year of age, they may have, a common cold. They may come in with, you know, a runny nose congestion. Maybe that's where you should do a little distancing in the house, you know, wash the counters a little bit more. I couldn't end this podcast without asking, how are you and the team coping with this surge? <laughs> so we're, it, one thing that we do well here is really support each other. Um, you know, we have an incredible support system on each unit. Um, they really are a family here. And I'm really proud. We've had people who've come here for short stints and they decide to work here um, because the team is just so really incredible. Um, we have holistic nurses who help support our team members on the front lines through Reiki sessions. They go to the units. Um, we have a system called uh, Team Lavender where we've got specially trained individuals who will go to the units to help support, particularly if there's um, a really challenging case, an ethical issue, a death of a child, um, to really support that team through that event, whether it's in the emergency department or on the inpatient units. Our chaplains here are just really incredible. So there's lots of communication among our team, both at the senior level as well as um, our throughout our leadership level down to, you know, down to our frontline team members at, at, at throughout all of our disciplines. Yeah, I'd like to just reiterate what she's saying. I think um, the heart in this institution is big um, and it's big because we're caring for, you know, uh, vulnerable children, but it's big because people just like working with whom they work with. Um, And so I just completely agree with what uh, Peg is saying. So there's a lot of camaraderie. 
after shifts, there's a lot of, you know, like, oh my gosh, um, you know, feelings and there's lots of text messages and, you know, uh, you just sharing of stories. And that's what gets you through the day is the relationship is the camaraderie um, and is the knowing that your team has your back. Uh, and I think, you know, our team feels that way. And I felt that camaraderie and teamwork and, you know, it was so palpable when I visited and, and toured some of the units with Peg. Absolutely. Doctors Rocker and Duffy, thanks so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And to you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. I'm Sandra Lindsay. Have a great day and be safe. Get more expert insight from the leading voices in healthcare today. You can subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk wherever podcasts are available.